Hi, welcome to the 1001 Books Podcast, where we read the books the experts say you're supposed to read before you die and decide if they're really worth your time. I'm Nicole, a lover of fiction that helps me learn about social issues. And I'm Chelsea, a lover of all fantasy with a strong female lead and a new mom desperately trying to find the time to read. All right, welcome to our for episode for book 55. Woo, woo! Really making some ground on the list. Uh, yeah, we're like 5% done. Hey! Wow! <laughs> That's pretty good for four years' work. <laughs> but one of those years was the pandemic and therefore does not count. <laughs> it's fine. Everything is fine. I don't know if you've seen the meme of the person sitting in the fire and they're like, this is fine. I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, we do this for fun. We can take as long as we want, as long as we don't die before we finish. <laughs> really happy thoughts. Okay. Yes. Um, for our next, this episode, we're going to talk about our 55th book, uh, The Great Gatsby, which we're excited to talk about because we have strong pre-existing feelings. But before we get into that, what have you been reading lately, Chelsea? I finished recently Let's Pretend This Never Happened by Jenny Lawson, which is just a memoir comedy style book about um, this woman, Jenny, and her kind of life and childhood. And wow, did she have some crazy stories to tell but I really liked it because uh, a lot of the stories were obviously like traumatic stories but it was a person who handled their trauma through humor Mm. and like their neuroses (laughs) through humor and so it was just a nice audiobook and she um, narrated it herself and so I listened to this audiobook while like going on walks and it was just a nice light funny little vignettes and stories yeah. about her life and um, the best kind of audiobook like, yeah audio. which were great for um, when you're like just on a walk and have like 20 minutes you could listen to a chapter and so I really enjoyed it I'm like wasn't like the best thing or the worst thing but it was good for the time what oh, about you nice. Um, one I read recently is called Girls Like Us by Randy Pink, and it's a really thin novel, not quite novella, but thin, and it's about, uh, it's told from the perspective of four different women in the early 1970s before abortion is legal in the United States who are teenagers, and they get pregnant, and they all end up at kind of the same new mother's home situation, mm-hmm. and some of them are black, and some of them are white, and it's about their relationships amongst each other as they're anticipating having these babies. And some of them, like, are they're pregnant because of incest or they're pregnant because of oh, rape. Gosh. And some of them are pregnant because of their boyfriend refuses to use a condom. Like, all variety of reasons. Um, and it's just, like, an, an interesting. The author definitely talks about in the after her, afterward how she wrote it because of the current threat to women's reproductive rights and how, like, we can't forget what the world was like for women when women didn't have the right to abortion because women don't and even in these girl these girls who were really just girls like as young as 13 were forced to have and raise mm-hmm. these children and it how how it affected them and like how emotionally unprepared they were to do it it's really good and it was and it was it was definitely i think it was i think it might have been a young adult book like it was thin it was the print was big but it was really powerful and they really felt like real teenage girl voices you know yeah it's good nice I'm just impressed with your capacity for reading, like, hard-hitting books. <laughs> I mean, they're, like, sprinkled in with more casual books. <laughs> um, so, let's talk about Great Gatsby. Give me the deets. Okay, so, written by F. Scott Fitzgerald, who's an American, and published in 1925, and obviously very, very famous. Um, what is your one-word description? Opulence. And mine is Jazz Age Disillusionment. That is a phrase, not a one-word description. Okay, okay, then disillusionment. (laughs) 
Um, the quick plot of this book is that the narrator, Nick Carraway, observes a tumultuous jazz aid summer in the lives of his acquaintances, Jay Gatsby and Daisy Buchanan, as they struggle to find meaning in life. And then we observe their tragic outcome. Yeah. So let's first talk like we both went in having read this book in high school. Right. As a in 10th grade reading. in an English class we were both in together. Um, and I have clearly said many things about my feelings of this book in previous episodes, I think, even, that I just hated this book. And I did not like this book, let's be clear, but my barometer of hate is much different now. <laughs> like, this book was 250 pages. I didn't hate it. I It, just, it was. So um, I think this is a strong point of contention for sometimes we have – teenagers read books that they cannot fully comprehend yet um and then expect them to like them and find meaning in them also i am so anti having to overanalyze books because all i remembered about this novel was the damn green light and the car speeding down the road and that is not those are not even the major plot points of this novel but that's what i remembered having to overanalyze and that was what I had clung to for many years. Yeah. And doing stuff like that in 10th grade ruins people and makes them think they hate reading. And then they never read as an adult, which is a shame. Yeah, because um, while I did not like this book, I didn't dislike it. I just don't have feelings about it yeah. in terms in the way, um, which I would say is actually a big change from a teenager because I was convinced this was my least favorite book ever. I mean, we've now read some real Clumpers. joys and treasures. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also think that, you know, like, yeah, it forced, being forced to write the long essay about the green light in The Great Gatsby in 10th grade, and if it makes you think you're not a reader, it's just like, you can be, you don't have to read classic novels or critically acclaimed novels mm-hmm. to be a reader. You can read fan fiction, you can read detective novels you could read like romance whatever the hell you want like it's meant to just make your life more enjoyable (laughs) and it's a shame that we like force prescribe on kids what they're supposed to find meaning in in this book because um i just feel like there were there's different levels to read all books at and so to force a kiddo to write a kiddo to write an essay um about like this hidden like thing that is supposed to be symbolism one that's not what they're getting from the book uh kind of degrades their intelligence and what they see in it because this time around i read it just as like i'm just gonna read the novel for the story for the story which is what i enjoy in books and i was able to take things from the story and i was able to actually get at a lot of things that i think our teachers were trying us to to get us to understand as high schoolers but I didn't have to do it by thinking about the green light and the stupid dumb car. It's so funny that you said books can be read on different levels because I have a vivid memory of our 10th grade English teacher, the class where we read this book, talking about how like there's three levels of questions, which I'm sure so this is like level one is like the facts. Level three is like how it makes you feel. And level two is like the hidden meaning. And he was constantly having us write essays about level two questions on like short stories. We read Kafka in that class. Mm-hmm. And it was all like, and so... <laughs> And that is the same teacher we read this book in. So I think you're right on that we were, um, and it, sometimes it feels like even then, though I didn't have this worry, it just kind of felt like an over-intellectualizing of something. Um, yeah. And it I didn't think, need to be like that. 
and I think it's a real shame to um, make students feel like because they want to read the story for the story, that that is not as smart yeah. as wanting to find these hidden meanings. Like if that's your jam, cool, yeah. you have at it. I love puzzles in other ways. Um, but not this way. This is not how I access that kind of thing. And so, um, it's just so interesting. It also helps that I read a very beautiful version of this book. The cover (laughs) is gorgeous, uh, which may have helped me out rather than the stupid eyes. That was the other thing we had to write about all the time. The image, the meaning of the eyes. On that billboard. Yeah. The, uh, I, similarly, the thing that I haven't read this since high school and the thing that really struck me like I've read this, I read this once in high school, and then I think I think I've seen the Leo DiCaprio version of the movie twice. And that's it. Those are the only interactions I've had with the story. But when I was reading it, there were certain phrases or sections that just I felt like I could have quoted this book from memory and I've only read it one time. And it's like partially because of like the intensity of which it is taught, like you're talking mm-hmm. about. And also just because it is pervasive. The imagery yeah. in this book, I don't know. If, at this point, if we know so much about it because it's actually good, the imagery is actually well done, or because it is forced into us yeah. our whole lives, like it is referenced all over the place. Um, but there's, yeah, lots of particular lines where I was like, oh, yeah, this is from this book. I've seen that quote on Pinterest. Like just ridiculous, a, a really high level. And it made the book feel really comfortable and familiar, which made me like it, that part of it. But then also it had me questioning what. I can't read this book with fresh eyes. Yeah. And that makes it hard to know if it's any good. I know. And something I was thinking about when I was reading this book was, why do we market this as a book that teenagers should be reading? Yeah. It's not. It's because what I took away on a second read through was the danger of like, not, not solely capitalism, but like the uber wealthy, like the danger of, um, being so wealthy and so rich that you don't really have to have cares and concerns and how that leads to a lot of, um, like not having a path in life and like what that looks like. And then I also read some stuff into how the danger of idolizing and looking back on past relationships and expecting them to be what they were and wanting what happened in your past to be what, Um, you have for your future. And I think both of those concepts are not really things. And I don't know that that's necessarily what people should take from it, but I am the proponent of you take from a book what you want to. And neither of those are things I would have understood or gotten from this book or read from this book as a teenager. Mm. Um, And like the passion of uh, like that obsessive kind of love and also the, um, misogyny of like the man who could cheat on his wife but then he was uh not concerned he was so upset when his wife was like doing the same to him and like needed to take her away and a lot of messages that I maybe could have gotten at a surface level but a I was told to look for the light in the eyes and shit and b I wasn't developmentally there yet like I don't know. Like, I hadn't been in a relationship like that. And some people have been at that point, but not everyone has. I just feel like it just, I just, I'm anti many things that were done in high school. (gasps) (laughs) Um, Touching on something you said that, yeah, the thing that I took from it the most is that um, 
Jay Gatsby and Daisy Buchanan, like I think sometimes in high school you read this as like a romance, a positive mm-hmm. romance, but it's actually extremely toxic, not even just because he's trying to steal her away when she's married. Take that out of it. It's because he he demands once they're like sleeping together again, he demands that she has to say that she never loved the husband. Oh yeah. And uh, just a quote, um, he wanted nothing less of Daisy than that she should go to Tom and say, I never loved you. After she had obliterated three years with that sentence, they could decide upon more practical measures to be taken. One of them was that after she was free, they were to go back to Louisville and be married from her house just as if it were five years ago. So just like erase her experience. And then later in a scene when he's trying to push her to say it and she doesn't want to say it, she says, um, you want too much. I love you now. Isn't that enough? I can't help what's past. I did love him, Tom, once, but I loved you, too. And it's so controlling. And it's so, like, he's just she's just a doll for him that he's put his fantasy on. And she's not a person. Well, and not even her current self. Because that's kind of, like, it's her, like, past self. Her, like, it's 19 the idolizing, yourself from when they knew each like, other. Like, I wanted this when I was 19. I wasn't good enough for it. Wasn't good enough, in quotes. Like, for it then. And I now have made myself into the person that I think you wanted at 19. You must still want that. Yeah, it's really, it feels really gross. And even though after he dies at the end and her, Daisy goes off with Tom and like nothing has happened, doesn't even come to the funeral, it's kind of feels cold hearted. It's also like maybe that was just self preservation because she didn't actually, it was like a nice, the fact that he was killed was like for her, like a kind of an escape. Um, Because it's not like she's like a great moral character either, but um, I feel like. he just sets off all of my like abusive red boyfriend alarms. Like he, like you can't, you can't undo the past, you know, and you can't expect someone who's meeting you as an adult to have no history. Well, and it was know? interesting too, because as you're reading it, none of the men in this book are good characters. Yeah, yeah. Like even the narrator witnesses a lot of things, but does not, he's so intent on just like absorbing what's happening to him that he doesn't step in in many a situation mm-hmm. where he should have stepped in. Um, and so none of the male characters in this, none of the characters in general are good people. Yeah. Um, which again is something that I feel like I wanted at 16 I would have looked to find a good person character because I needed my books back then to still have a good person, which in a way that I don't now. Yes. Um, but I don't think at 16, I personally, I want to like not say all 16 year olds cause it could have just been my experience. I personally did not have the life experience to grasp, um, a lot of the things that were in this book and thus was really frustrated by the way we were asked to analyze it. Yeah. The, uh, it's like that theme of like in relationships probably would be valuable for a high school student to think about, you know, like uh, not trying to be con- to control someone mm-hmm. and fit them into your ideal. But that's not what we're taught about this book. It's yeah. not focused on it at all. And so that does feel like a mistake. And the dangers <laughs> of uh, looking for wealth, whether it be wealth in mon- monetary thing or like monetary value or wealth and just fame kind of thing like the danger of looking for wealth in that way and the danger of idolizing the famous and wealthy because jay gatsby a lot in this novel um people talk about him and kind of like idolize like all these stories he told about him his life but like no one really knows him yeah which is the sad that's kind of like the sad takeaway from this book is like he died having lived this life 
wanting this person who no longer existed and yet he died and no one knew him yeah no one cared yes and i think the book like it does capture really well which i think was kind of like a general jazz age thing like post-world war one all the old systems have broken down and the young generation is just running wild with new ideas and 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 like thing the old the old things that are supposed to govern how your life be feel meaningless and so you're inventing new things for better or for worse and uh and it captures that spirit kind of like that period when you're young and everyone kind of goes through it in different forms where you're just a bit at loose ends and you're you're trying on like you're just kind of wild like you're and you don't really know where you're gonna end up and uh you're like looking for something to make your life meaningful and you're and it's and there's and you're just in a variety of different ways partying a lot like depending on what that looks like for you you know but you're just you don't have a lot of responsibilities like it's a very mm-hmm. specific time in life that passes but I think that time of life still exists you know and it and it's easy a lot of pop culture idealizes that part of your life is like your 20s are the only most important part of your life and then there's no story in your life after that but that's just not reality but it's if you get caught up in that it can be really detrimental which would also be a really cool thing to talk about in high school but I don't think we talked about that (laughs) yeah um fun what was fun was that right after I finished this I read this other nonfiction book called flappers and it followed six real life women um who were flappers in the 1920s when this book was written and it was just talking about like the flapper being a flapper, a liberated woman in the 1920s as an idea in mostly in the U.S. and England and France. And one of the women they followed was Zelda Fitzgerald, who is the wife of the author of this mm-hmm. book. And they were a very famous couple on both sides of the Atlantic in the 20s. And uh, and I learned in that book that um, he stole big chunks of his novels, including this one, out of her journals. Oh, that's and, crazy. And including, and like that all his female characters were loosely based on her in different ways. And including, there's this line in this book where she's telling the narrator about how when she had her daughter, she hoped that she would be a beautiful fool because that was the best thing a woman could be. Which is something that's in our like zeitgeist mm-hmm. of, that's one of those quotes from this book. Yeah, and so apparently Zelda really said that when she gave birth to their daughter when she was really hopped up on drugs because at that time they would like put you completely under when you gave birth. And that's something she said and he took it straight and put it in the book. And also there was another time where um, a publisher had read her personal journal and was and thought and told him that we could probably publish this and people would be interested in it. And and without asking her, uh, F. Scott said no because I because he needed that material for his books. That's crazy. <laughs> and then like she ends up probably today would have been diagnosed with like bipolar disorder and spends the latter part of her life in institutions, um, which is sad. Uh, for lack of, like, adequate mental health yeah. ac- care access. Also relevant issue today. But the, um, it was, and then and then it talks a lot in the book about how he became really good friends with Ernest Hemingway, who we've also read his book for the podcast, and how Ernest Hemingway really believed that, like, a woman's only role was to support her husband's endeavors, and then how that kind of influenced F. Scott Fitzgerald and his marriage, and how Zelda got the short end of the stick. <laughs> I mean, all of that fits in with my image of men in the 1920s. Yeah, totally. And how, and it talked about how flappers, like, lots of stuff in the philosophy of that era that was being written um, was about, like, 
individual freedom and lots of men wrote about it but women were really living it because by choosing to be a flapper and not follow a traditional path and get married really early and stuff there was no script for how to live that life and no support system and and uh and so it's like but we don't have a lot of books about what that freedom felt like written by those women we just have stuff that their men wrote I will say something I did take away from this book is of the books from the 1920s, which we have well established, not our fave. This I found the least offensive. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's, I mean, it's really readable. And because the story and the imagery is so familiar, it's mm-hmm. like, and it's short, you know, it really, sink, really sinks in. I don't, I have to say, like, I, li- I remember liking it in high school for not really any specific reason, probably just because it was, it was an easy read. I do think like you, I got more out of it this time, more a deeper theme, mm-hmm. just being a bit older and having more life experience. And I think it felt sadder this yeah. time. Like, I think in high school, I didn't really see how sad Jay Gatsby was, like how pathetic and sad he was. Mm-hmm. And then he didn't get time, then he didn't have time to write write it because he died. And it and it's, um, he didn't have time to get better as a person yeah. in the book. Um, do I think this is a book that people have to read before they die? I don't know. Because even if you said we're not going to read in high school, it's just it's not going to be like an assigned, commonly assigned high school book. It's, I don't know. I think it's like, it's like overdone. (laughs) Like it's been around too much. It's a lot. And unlike Catcher in the Rye, a similar targeted at youth book, I don't think it holds up as good. I also just, because Last week's episode was Pride and Prejudice, which is another book that is really in the public knowledge and it's really, um, you could argue, overused and overreproduced. Um, I don't know, though, that Gatsby, for at least for us, and I know for some people it does, but for me, it did not produce those feelings of like nostalgia and like I really feel like it's part of like. What I see as being, I just think the 1920s were shit, maybe is my issue. Yeah. Though I do want to, before we like make a call, I love the final line of the book, which I did not love, think about, or anything before um, when I read it the first time. But I love the, so we beat on boats against the current, borne back ceaselessly into the past. Yeah, because that's a I good feel line. like as an adult, that has a lot of weight to me that it wouldn't have had as a teenager about how a large part of life is pushing yourself forward and trying new things and trying to forge this past and fighting against the traumas and the things that have happened to you and not letting those things pull you back to being stuck with who you were, which I at 16 was not capable of understanding the depth of that. Um, but that's a really powerful quote. And I think Gatsby itself isn't going to sit with me, but that quote, having read it as an adult, will sit with me, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was really interesting because, like, the most meaningful thing I found found in the book was the very last line of the book. Yeah. Um, and it really could have been out of context. Like, I could have just read that as an inspirational quote anywhere and would have been like, oh, that's very powerful. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the writing, I think... That makes you think that even though the imagery feels stale because it's so familiar, that the fundamentally the writing is good. Mm-hmm. Um, because the one that feels fresh is, does feel really good. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting book. You know, like it's I I can't like I don't really know what I'm going to say. Yes or no. Should it be on the list? Because there are parts that are really worthwhile. And I think um, I really love the Leo DiCaprio version because I loved how when they're throwing the big parties, um, they mix the jazz with hip hop because I feel like it really captured that like youthful feeling. Mm-hmm. And um, and I've been thinking about that a lot because after the pandemic, everyone's like, we're going to have the 20s again, just like the last pandemic. And it's going to be a wild time. And like a lot of also really shitty things happen in the 1920s, yeah. like terrible racism and then the whole economic collapse. So let's not hope for that. But the <laughs> and the rise, raising of fascism and stuff. Um, no, but I think it's an interesting idea that like after a, a global tragedy like that, like how do people react? And I'm really curious if. We're going to see some of that um, wildness or if a different, this is a different generation and we're not, people aren't going to Yeah, that's react interesting. That I hadn't thought about that. And so that. it's interesting thinking about it through that lens too, because this book's message would certainly be, don't do that. <laughs> don't, you know, don't have a jazz age because it, it bursts a lot of great ideas, but also the, the cost is very high mm-hmm. individually and societally. So yeah. There is a lot of meat in this book that's worth talking about, but I just think it's, I think you're right on that it's not the meat that we're told to think about it when we're young, because the real meat, where you're just too young to get it, at least we were. Yeah. You know? And I think that, um, I think there's something to be said for adults directing teens' conversations about what they're getting from a book, because I don't remember anymore. Mm-hmm. what I got from this book before I was told to think about it in the ways I was told to think about it. Yeah. Um, and I think of this as a teacher as when I'm teaching literature or I'm reading books to kids, how much am I letting them tell me what they find in it and guiding that conversation rather than telling them what to find in it? Because I'm sure what our teachers were telling us to find in it, they probably did see in the book. Mm-hmm, yeah. But it just wasn't what we should see. And I, so I don't know what I'm going to say either because in, I, I don't know that I can say whether this should be on the list because my opinion is so colored by like what I thought of it for 15 years and then how I read it again and I was like, that's not the book I remember and I don't really like it, but like there's a couple of things I can take from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just, it's interesting. Yeah. I don't find it like the really good books that we've read so far that we've put on the list. The really good ones have like felt like I really think about them. I compare them to other things I read. They feel monumental in my life. Like they're very memorable. And I don't know if I could say that about this one, but no, can that... I just say that just the last line? Can I can I vote for the last yeah. line to be on the list? Before we decide, I have to say something funny. So I bought this book because I didn't have a copy anymore from high school. And I bought just the cheapest version on Amazon. And then it came and it was so skinny that I was just like, what is this a misprint? Like that's so. And I was like, Chelsea, how many chapters does yours have? And I was like, no, I think it's the whole book. It's just so much skinnier than I remember. And then I looked inside and I. There is the there was a printed date on the back that was the date that I ordered it and so I definitely accidentally ordered some pirated version of this book because <laughs> it has the classic cover but it's just like at the the type That's is different hilarious. inside and there's like no Library of Congress thing or anything I I bought an illegal copy of The Great Gatsby for three dollars and it was really <laughs> hilarious um, 
Yeah, it was that was. Just it's okay. Weird. I made up for it because I bought a fancy copy in hopes that it would make me like the book more. Go. So like we evened out. <laughs> okay, so I think we have to decide uh, if it's on the list. So make your final decision. Okay. One, two, three. Yes. No. Okay, Split I'm decision. saying no with the caveat that I want to see if I think about it ten books from now. Mm, yes. So it's like, it's a soft no. Yeah, I would say mine's a soft yes. <laughs> oh, okay. So we're, we just chose opposite ends of the sitting on it spectrum. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, in the end, I think I said yes because the real themes that are in it that I get now, I think are worthwhile to talk about, create good discussion. And it's, I think it's worthwhile to read as a reader because it's referenced in so many other works. It'll help ground you in the oh, larger That's a good canon. reasoning, yeah. Yeah, so I just want to sit on this one for a little bit and see how I feel about it in, like, ten books. Okay, so that is our views on The Great Gatsby. We usually, every 20 books or so, we like to review in the ones we put on the list and decide if we still want them there. So um, that'll be our chance to remove, which will only be in, like, six books in this case, but maybe, you know. Yeah, I mean, that'll be, I feel like I'll know. Yeah. I just, I'm not sure yet. Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, so we didn't really plan an extra segment. Yeah, so let's just draw our next book. Yeah, sounds good. So this is going to be a shorter episode, but short and sweet about Gatsby rather than long and drawn out from our, like our experiences were in high school <laughs> is probably good for everyone. Yes. So our book next week dun, da, 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 is Bleak House. Oh, a title that I recognize. Charles Dickens. Dickens is long. Are you a, have you read much Dickens in your life? <laughs> I think I've only actually read The Christmas Carol. Oh yeah, I've read that and in high like in middle school and then in high school I think I read Great Expectations. Well, and... we read The Christmas Carol in middle school because we did the play. Yes, yeah. And I, I Great Expectations in high school for school, I think. And then I also read Oliver Twist and Nicholas Nickleby on my own because that was like those were like kind of in the same category as Pride and Prejudice were like these are the classics my mom's getting me for Christmas. Um I mean, we took all the same high school classes in terms of English language arts. Was I supposed to have read? No, I a hundred percent remember that there was two honors English classes that we were in, and we were in opposite ones. And the other class read "Why the Cage Bird Sings." Oh, and you must have been in that one. I was. I because remember. I I remember it because our teacher, maybe I think it was maybe junior year, decided that my class wasn't mature enough to read Maya Angelou, and so we read "Great Expectations" and possibly even an abridged version. And you guys read the other one. Oh, so that's must have been in the other class. I was in the other class. stuck in my memory I, read, I hated that teacher. I read Why the Cage Bird Sings. Yeah, so. which I have read later as an adult. But That's funny. Um, yeah, when I was a teen, I liked Dickens, even though they're very long. And I just, I remember it being like, you have to get in the rhythm and then it's good, you know? Uh, but also that his books were all pretty similar to each other about poverty in Victorian times. Yeah, and they... Um... I didn't know I was reading about um, like things that are commonly told about authors recently. Um, and something I read, which I haven't followed up on, was that the idea where people say Dickens was paid by the word and that's why his books are so wordy is actually false. What? It's hang on. It, it, it's tangentially true, but the by the word part is false. Um, it's that he was paid by the section. And so he would fill in his section. So his sections were kind of like 
wordy because you needed to fill a full section and the more sections you had in a book, mm, yeah. the more you'd get paid. But it's not literally that he was paid by the word. But yeah. that was just like on like a not not as sketchy as BuzzFeed kind of article site, but I can't not like a really like yeah. that's for sure true. That makes sense though because then it's like if it's publishing you in a magazine, the more separate chapters you have, the more separate publishings and then yeah. you get paid more. So I'm going to research that before our episode because I literally read that not that long ago in a thing about authors that you didn't know. So that'd yeah. be interesting to see. Yeah. Bleak House definitely sounds like a title that it's going to be pretty bleak. Uh, you know, like pretty depressing. <laughs> I just did what you do. I was like, hey, what's it a book about? Well, it's a book about the thing that it says exactly in the title. I'm very literal. <laughs> so I'm going to guess that it's about poor people in England and Victoria times, like all of his books. I'm going to guess it's about a person who's in a situation where they don't think they have hope. Ooh, that's good. That's a good, that's a good. Yeah. Case. So, um, I'm pretty, uh, excited to get to try Charles Dickens though. It should be yeah, fun. Yeah, I haven't, since I haven't read any in like, like 15 years. It'll be yeah. fun. It'll be fun. So, um, we hope you enjoyed this nice, short, sweet episode from us, um, and about our, you know, varying, evolving views on Gatsby. <laughs> um, but until next time, you can find us at... You can email us at 1001bookspodcast at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Goodreads, and Litzy at 1001bookspod. Or 1001 Books Podcast. Or 1001 Books Podcast and some of those. You know, just type in 1001 yeah, Books. It'll come up. It'll come see up. See what happens. <laughs> um, but we are just so happy to have recorded our second episode of 2021, getting back in the groove. And until next time, happy, happy reading. reading.